lack of effective communication within the family. I see that time and time again. Parents are not listening to their children, so children don't want to open up to their parents. So there's, there's just no communication. And maybe a child is feeling really you know, sad or low about something, but the parent might just say, oh, it's okay, you'll be fine, don't worry. Right. So sort of not acknowledging those feelings. And I think we need to be acknowledged. Mm. Especially as children, we need to be acknowledged, you know, and just to be told, whatever you're feeling is okay. There's no right or wrong, it's okay. Mm. Mm. Um, it's part of being a human being. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Tell Me Why, which is a Gulf News original podcast. Today's episode coincides with the back to school season. So a lot of children are back to school. And that is a tough period for kids these days, that first day of school or even that first week. And it is also tough on parents. There are a lot of emotions. There's a transitioning back to school after a long period of, of just holidays and vacations and, you know, sleep routines that are disrupted. So joining me in the studio today is Jasmine Navarro, who is a family well-being expert or a family coach, as, as she likes to call it. Jasmine, welcome to our studio. How are you? Hi, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. I'm good, thanks. So before we get started, tell us about your background. So you are a family coach. Tell us about your experience as a family coach and even as a teacher, because you used to teach for a very long time. So you've dealt with children for quite some time now. Exactly, yes. So I was a teacher for about 18 years, I think. Wow. Yeah, I know. It makes you feel really old thinking about it. And I taught in 11 countries. And I taught primary, secondary, and adults. Amazing. Yeah, so I had quite a lot of experience doing that. And then I became a coach. Okay. So I wanted to help teenagers with self-confidence, anxiety, you know, emotional regulation, effective communication, and all of those things. Teaching in 11 countries... Yes. Has that like has that shown you that you know children everywhere have the same struggles? No, exactly. Children have the same struggles everywhere. And I just thought, yeah, emotions speak the same language. Wherever you are, it was wherever I was, it was the same. I really like that. Emotions speak the same language. That's yes. that's actually fantastic. Yeah. And did teaching inspire you to become a family coach? Actually, it was my own. Um, when I was a teenager, I went through my own difficult. Um, challenges okay and I had like I went through traumatic grief but anyway so that led me to leave the UK and become a teacher right um and after like 18 years of teaching I just thought you know I really want to change my career and then I found coaching at the beginning I decided to coach adults Mm -hmm. but then I remembered when I was a teenager and the tools and techniques I learned through my coach training, I just thought they would have benefited me so much when I was growing up. So then I thought, I need right. to share this with teenagers mm-hmm. today. Uh, you mentioned you went through grief, and that's what led you to leave the UK. Do you mind telling us about that? Yeah, sure. So I was 18, and I was really close to my stepdad. He brought me up, mm. and he, they, him and my uh, mum... They were they were separated and I didn't see him for a while. And then I went to my friend's house and then one day she just said, oh, did you know that he's died? And um, she found out in the newspaper, the local mm. newspaper. Mm. So, you know, I went home and I told my mom, I said, oh, my God, you know, he's died. 
And then she went out, got the newspaper, and she said yes, and he's never coming back. And it just, I don't know what happened. Um, I was, I just froze. I just felt like I was hit with so, so many emotions. Mm. Um, and I just lost, completely lost myself, lost everything, lost myself. Um, and, you know, I didn't have any emotional awareness anyway because we didn't really have that effective communication. Right. So I probably would never have been prepared for that. Mm. But I wasn't prepared at all. I had, I didn't have any access to my inner resources. Right. So, you know, I did, I was depressed for about eight years on and off. Oh, it wow. was a long time because I just blamed myself. Um, you know, there was a lot of things to that story. So I really blamed myself and... I didn't feel like I deserved to grieve because he wasn't my real dad mm. and nobody around me was acknowledging it. You know, everybody was just getting on with their lives. My friends were 18, so they were just going out having fun. Mm. And I was just like, but, you know, I've just lost, my life is just shattered, crumbled. Um, and I just isolated myself. Um, I didn't want to talk to anyone because I didn't want to, I couldn't do anything so I just nobody understood me so I just wanted to be on my own right so but eventually I worked through it like I said eight years because finally I stopped blaming myself but I didn't have any help or anything I just came to that mm. conclusion by myself and I think had I have had help or somebody to really talk to and understand mm. then it would have maybe would have been quicker I don't know I don't know right really sorry that you had to go through that and no, no, um, and as i mentioned i mean it's it's great to see that children these days are getting the help that they need the yes. things that we missed out on maybe it it still gives you peace to feel like you know what at least it's not the case anymore and there there are more resources in I a think way so. I think so. um you mentioned blaming yourself do you mind me asking why you were blaming yourself I know this is so. This is another part to the story. Okay. Um, so, my mum just said when he died, she said he probably committed suicide. Okay. Um, but she didn't know. But we just knew that he was really, really unhappy because he okay. had a lot of problems. So, I think that's where it came from. Okay. Because years later, I learned that when there is a suicide in the family you do blame yourself of course that's quite a normal reaction yeah so I just blamed myself and then you know I was feeling all these emotions I didn't know what I was feeling so mm. many it mm. completely knocked me out and you know I didn't like those emotions probably so I began not to like myself plus I was blaming myself oh <laughs> so my it was self-destruction self-destruction yeah. my goodness that must have been very tough to work through and uh, yes and imagine so for eight years, I believed that. But then after 10 years, I, f I found out he it wasn't a suicide. I didn't find out until 10 years' time. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So imagine. I grieved a suicide. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that it goes back to what you were saying. It's all in your head. Yes. Like with, with, yes. with kids and teenagers, a lot of the struggles <gasps> are just in their head. And it's not even real. That's uh, That's fantastic, you know, when you can relate back to, like, personal experiences yeah. and you feel... You know, I wish I could have had that kind of support growing up. And you know what? I want to give back. Like, I want to do that for, for everyone else that needs it. Exactly. So in your experience as a teacher and as a family coach, what are some of the main challenges that children face? I think a lot of challenges that they come to me with, um, 
wanting to be perfect. Oh, I hear this yeah. a lot. I need to be perfect. Mm. Um, the pressure that they're putting on themselves, maybe exam pressure, peer pressure, the pressure yeah. that they're putting on themselves is actually much um, heavier. Mm. Um, anxiety, not fitting in, bullying, being alone. So many teenagers I work with, they don't have any friends. That's so sad. It's so mm. sad. And they spend so much time alone maybe thinking about their problems mm -hmm. and then, you know, they just isolate, them, isolate themselves even more and it just spirals yeah. if they don't get the help that they need at the time. Yeah. And do you feel like some students um, might still feel alone even if they do have friends? I think so, yeah. If they're not talking, if they're not being themselves. Right. If they're trying to be somebody else to fit in, exactly. then definitely they can feel alone. Exactly. So it's about really expressing themselves and accepting themselves for who they are and showing others who they are so friends can accept them for who they are. Mm -hmm. But I think this is the problem sometimes. And and peer pressure is a big one, I feel. Um, a lot of us fall into that, even as adults. Like Definitely. There's always peer pressure. You know, you think after all these years and after all these coping mechanisms and all these books and self-development methods, you know, we'd be able to eradicate peer pressure, but we haven't been able to. Do you feel like that still affects children these days? I think so, because I think, you know, they want to fit in. And right. even as adults, sometimes mm -hmm. we want to fit in. So it's about being accepted by others. But but I think that always comes from how we accept ourselves. Mm -hmm. It always comes from ourselves, mm -hmm. the relationship we have with ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's what I work with them on, building that relationship with themselves so they can really accept who they are and love themselves, Right. which is a whole process in itself. So speaking about the process, actually, um, what does that entail? Like, what do you actually do to get the, like, tell us briefly. I know this is a long journey and you spend so much time with these children yes, to yes. help them gain that confidence. But can you tell us briefly, like, what are some of the methods that you use, like how you help them as a, as a coach? I think the first thing is, you know, I say to them, you know, whatever you say, it's not right or wrong. Mm -hmm. So there's no judgment here. Mm -hmm. It's a safe space, you know. I'm not expecting you to say anything or not say anything. So I think that helps to make them relaxed. And, you know, I listen. I think a lot of active listening goes in. And, you know, I don't jump in and try to fix them because they don't need to be fixed. It's like I help them find their voice. So I do that by active listening, lots of questioning, lots and lots of questioning. Right. So what do you think about this? What's important? about that for you, what do you love? You know, all of these open questions. Um, and, you know, validating them, you know, mm -hmm. it's okay. Whatever you're feeling is okay. There's no positive or negative feelings. Right. Each feeling has a message and we just need to listen to that message. Um, and just, you know, and I don't force them to do anything. That's really, really important. I really have a gentle approach. And, you know, some teenagers and children might, open up straight away but others take longer and that's fine too right. you know they can open up as much or as little as they want to mm -hmm. it's all about their time their space um yeah so I think that really does help and and eventually they open up and then we more questions more questions more questions more questions it's always questions that's really nice I find it you know you said something that was really beautiful I'm not there to fix them there's nothing to fix. It's yeah. just a matter of helping them find themselves. They're not broken. And I think 
a lot of children might feel that way. They feel like they're broken. They feel like they're they're not good enough. So that's that's one thing that I really liked with what you were saying. And active listening, that really resonated. Do you feel like parents are not listening enough to their kids these days? I think so. I think in general, people don't, we don't listen, do we? I mean, Mm. I've just... I mean, I listen more now since coaching and things like that. But I mm. think in general, we we don't listen. And I think we just always jump in and we want to offer that solution. We feel like that's what when we need to do. But actually, most of the time, we just need to listen and don't say anything. Mm. You know, and just that feeling of being heard, seen and heard. That make that helps us feel validated and important. And we will always find our own solutions anyway. You right. know, if somebody's listening to you, you can figure out the answers yourself, can't you? Exactly. It's just nice to have that person there holding the space. Yes. You know, rarely we want to do what someone's telling us to do. Exactly. Same exactly. for teenagers. Yes, exactly. Okay, so let's move um, towards the parents a bit. What do you feel like the challenges are with parents? I think it's a um, lack of effective communication within the family. Okay. I really feel like that's, I see that time and time again. Parents are not listening to their children, so children don't want to open up to their parents. So there's there's just no communication. Mm. And maybe a child is feeling really, you know, sad or low about something, but the parent might just say, oh, it's okay, you'll be fine, don't worry. Right. So sort of not acknowledging those feelings. And I think we need to be acknowledged. Mm. Especially as children, we need to be acknowledged, you know, and just to be told, whatever you're feeling is okay. There's no right or wrong. It's okay. Mm. Mm. Um, It's part of being a human being. Right. We have these feelings. We will always have them. Mm. Of course, if they're feeling really, really anxious and depressed and they can't get out of bed, then, of course, that's something else. And that's not a normal situation. And maybe they need to see a therapist or psychologist. Right. But our normal feelings you know sadness anxiety if it's not debilitating Mm. then we just need to accept these feelings and and dig deeper as Mm. to why we're feeling them rather than dismissing them exactly Mm. and not and suppressing them Mm. 20 years um suppressing grief because i thought that's what i was supposed to do but it's actually no we're supposed to feel the feelings yes from like the parents perspective yes yes. um i just want to go back to that because i feel like as parents, sometimes, we, you know, they'll do things unintentionally. They're, they don't mean to exactly. dismiss their kids' feelings. They don't mean to harm them with their words. They don't mean to put pressure. But sometimes they just don't know the right way to do it. So do you find it for, okay, so I my, uh, my question is a two-parter. Do you find it difficult to educate parents? Do you find like there's sometimes resistance? And secondly, how do you tell them? that they need to change their ways with their kids? I think it always comes from the same thing. When I'm working with parents, um, I show them the techniques. They experience the techniques for themselves. Right. So I maybe we have an active listening exercise. They do it mm-hmm. together. If, if it's a group workshop, then I would show them they would do it in pairs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or if it's me and the parent, I will do active listening with them and they can do it with me. So I really get them to experience these techniques because you can't just say oh listen to your children you know well you can but I think 
they need to experience and feel it for themselves. So it's about right. helping them increase their self-awareness. Right. Because they might not even know they're not listening or they have these habits. Exactly. Most of us don't know, do exactly. we? Exactly. So it's about taking them through the techniques themselves. Right. Working right. on themselves. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel the key is that they're unaware. Totally. It's, it's, totally. Yeah. A lot of parents are unaware that they're making these I want to say mistakes just because they can be rectified. I mean, it's not a big deal, but they can always be rectified yes. once recognized. Going into back to school. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the name of our show is Tell Me Why. So I'm going to ask you uh, why parents should not be anxious about their kids going back to school. That's true. It's a good question. But I wouldn't say they shouldn't feel anything. Okay. Because I, when I'm working with teenagers' parents... It's all about accepting feelings. Right. So they can feel that, mm -hmm. but it's how they react, okay. how they respond to their feelings. Great. So, and sometimes you can feel anxious about being anxious. Right. So it's about responding, how they respond. So I'd say you can feel that, but what's making you feel like that? So I would dig deeper into that. But I think, you know, feeling anxious about change is, is, a, normal, is a normal emotion. You know, right. when we're coming out of our comfort zone we will feel anxious and that's okay it's just how we respond to the anxiety so yeah it's not about what they shouldn't feel it's about how they respond to feeling however they're feeling and right. it's okay to feel anxious when they go into school for the first you know a new school it's the first day back it's okay they're probably not the only ones feeling this probably mm -hmm. most of the children are feeling having these insecurities and feeling right. this that's okay so I think the most important thing about that is it's okay to feel anxious on your first day mm -hmm. back at school mm -hmm. but talk about it talk about it right. so it's not just so the child or a parent doesn't feel like they're the only ones feeling this because once you start isolating yourself with your feelings they can become bigger and bigger and bigger and really can be overwhelming right so it's about talking about it it's okay you know when you talk about things and how you're feeling and somebody is just listening to you and said that's okay that's okay I'm feeling the same or you feel better yeah it calms you down it calms you down and you feel connected to that other person you don't mm -hmm. feel alone mm -hmm. I think that's the danger is when we start feeling these emotions but we feel alone so communication definitely communication okay I think it's key I like that I think it's key with everything with all with relationships, <laughs> exactly. with your friendships, with your marriage, I with know, your kids, with everyone, exactly. with co-workers. I feel like communication is key. And it can be uncomfortable. Yeah. But but it's okay to feel uncomfortable. Like, it's okay to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. We had uh, Dr. Summer on the show last week. Yes. And uh, she was discussing, actually two weeks ago, and uh, she was discussing uh, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Exactly. And I That's really it. like that. That really resonated because sometimes we are so scared and we we make it seem like, oh my gosh, if I'm uncomfortable, like that's the end of the world. Yes. It's okay. Get comfortable with the uncomfortable. May, you know, face it and you'll, you'll see that it's not that big of a deal. Uh, we spoke about this before the show. My first day of school was always a nightmare. The night before, I could never sleep. I was always overthinking. I never communicated with my parents. Like, I never wanted to show them that I was worried or scared. Yes. It was, it was in a way, I was trying to shield them from my, you know, my anxiety and my, my challenges. And so I, I would rarely sleep that night before. I, was, I would always overthink. I think, 
would I still have the same friends? Would they still accept me? Am I still going to hang out with the same people? It was just all these thoughts rushing through my my brain and I could never make peace with it. And that first week was always, I was always sleep deprived. I was always worried. I was always nervous. What's your advice to, you know, kids going through that? That's such a good question. And I think so many children experience that. Yeah. I remember experiencing all of those thoughts as well. Yeah. I think... I think it's about, you know, smiling. Like, I know that sounds... No, I don't mean just smiling, but I mean when they go to school, smiling at other people in their class because Mm -hmm. probably they're feeling exactly the same. Yeah. So being that other person to... Being the first person to say, do you want to come sit next to me? Or Mm -hmm. as soon as you break the ice and you start that conversation, you know, you'll make friends. Mm -hmm. You'll make new friends and... I think it's about, yeah, really being the first one to make the move. Right. If you're a parent, definitely have this conversation with your child. Mm -hmm. Like, how are you feeling about your first day at school? What are you most nervous about? What's the worst thing that can happen? You know, having those questions before so the child doesn't feel completely alone. Mm. I mean, there's not really a straightforward, easy answer. Mm -hmm. You know, but I do think having the conversation helps and telling your child, you know, you're definitely not the only one feeling this. Right. Um, I just think it's really important to make time to have conversations with your child. You know, let them know that, you know, if they if they don't get the high grades um, in their exams or at school, you know, it's OK. It's OK. Mm. Um they can talk let them feel like they can talk to you about anything right you know not just um letting them feel comfortable with telling you the great news the good things that have happened let them know that it's okay if things go wrong you know it's okay to make mistakes it's okay not to be perfect We're, we're never going to be perfect and I just think it's just yeah when your child feels safe and they can talk to you about anything they will you know, they won't go up and be on their own in their room and maybe look on the internet for answers. You know, they'll come to you. So I think it's about, you know, resist being angry with them, um, just, you know, not judging them, listening to them, let them speak, ask them questions, but really, really listen. And I think naturally they will come to you. Mm. And when they can come to you straight away when there's a problem, the problem solved yeah. rather than it escalating to something else. Just speaking about that actually made me think of another question. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> something came to mind. Um, how do you deal with children who have a bully in school? Yes, and this is quite common as well, mm. unfortunately. Um, you know, it normally happens, you know, teenagers that come to me that are being bullied, they are feeling really bad about themselves they are beating Mm. themselves up low confidence they think they deserve the bullying so first of all we really work on helping them become conscious of what they're actually thinking and what they're saying to themselves every day you Mm. know and I would maybe say something like what do you say to yourself when you look in the mirror in the morning and it takes them a while to tell me but normally it's you know oh it's going to be a bad day or I look terrible or 
you know, they're just criticizing themselves. So we really work on that first, helping them become conscious. And then it's like, well, what can you say to yourself? What makes you feel better? You know, what words do you say to yourself and how does it, how do they make you feel? So they, they just, so the first step is being conscious of what they're saying. And then what do you want to say to yourself? And just, and then what action can you take at school? Mm. And just tiny, tiny, tiny steps each day that they choose to take gradually helps them become more confident and start um, liking themselves. Mm. And then... I don't know why, but the bullies just seem to disappear. The mm. more confident they become, the bullies sort of disappear. I would just like to say, you know, it's it's a process as well, isn't it? You know, nothing happens overnight. And, you know, like when I work with teenagers, you know, it takes time. It does right. take time. Mm. It takes time to change our habits and how we talk to ourselves and all of this. And I think, and parents as well, I, I just think... We all need to be able to work on ourselves. It's our responsibility, but sometimes we don't know how to do it. We might need some help. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But I think it's ultimately it's it's about us at the end of the day, isn't it? Okay, children is different, but for parents, I think we need to be able to work on ourselves mm-hmm. and have the courage to listen to how we're feeling because it's not always easy. Jasmine, it was an yeah. absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us and thank you for telling us your perspective and with dealing with children. And um, if there's one thing we can take away from today's episode is listen. I love that. Thank you so much, Maria. Yes, that's exactly it. Listen, that's it.